0: You're listening to the Connections Through Creativity podcast. Here we dive in deep into personal growth, creativity, inclusion, education, mental health, entrepreneurship, connection, community, and how we can make a positive impact. I'm your host, Rebecca Jane, founder of Rebecca Jane Art, an inclusive community art instructor, mother, author and artist with a love of living a creative life through joy, growth and making a positive impact in the world. Art is the catalyst for creating connections. Everyone is an artist and everyone deserves a safe space to be and feel creative, included and heard. When we create connections for creativity, we are opening an inclusive environment to improve mental health, education and creativity in our community. By first starting with us, we can show up for ourselves, our family, and clients so we can live a fulfilling, creative life that inspires others. Become a Certified Inclusive Community Art Instructor to make a radical impact in your community. Join the 10-week certification course in Mastermind by visiting RebeccaJaneArt.ca. Are you ready? Let's get creative! Hello and welcome back to another episode of Connections Through Creativity. Before we get started on this amazing episode today, um, I wanted to just fill you in really quickly. So I've been doing a lot of behind the scenes work this month and I've been making some big and difficult changes in my business so that I can focus on what will make the biggest impact. So I want to fill you all in. Um, So what I'm going to do is do a little bonus episode with the announcement and uh, so be sure to check that out. Okay. All right. So let's get started. Janine J. Botter is an author, speaker, instructor, and poet. She is the author of guidebook The Ephrastic Writer, Creating Art Influence Poetry, Fiction, and Nonfiction, as well as the poetry collections, The Body Physics, and The Coordinates of Yes. To date, her books are collected in nearly 100 libraries worldwide. Since earning an MFA from the Eastern West Eastern Westington University. Her writing has been published in over t- 120 journals, such as Saturday Evening Post, Tin House, The Southern Review, The American Journal of Poetry, The Writer's Chronicle, and Nimrod. Her writing has been adapted for the stage and set to music at venues, such as University of Cincinnati, Interlochen Center for the Arts, Dance Now, Assemble in Florida, Florida University of North Carolina Pembroke, and the Otterburn University. And she's been featured in the Reader at the Library of Congress. A two-time Pushcart Prize and the best of the net nominee, she has been a writer in the resident of Soaring Gardens, Island Institute of Sitka, Silver Creek Residency, Marble House Project, Dorland Mountain Arts Colony, the North Cassades Institute, and right on door county currently she teaches creative writing in seattle is an assistant editor at the boulevard magazine the columnist at the ephrastic review and the 2021 poet in residence at mary hill museum of art so i recently connected with jenny and we decided that we are kindred spirits because (laughs) we had so much in common and um we had a lot of fun connecting. This episode is so rich with information that neither of us planned on. <laughs> um, I had no idea what Ephrastic writer was, or I even how to say it, <laughs> as you will see in a moment um, when uh, we first connected. Um, but she, she's just this is just beautiful, and I think she has inspired me. Uh, to keep writing my own poems that I used to write <laughs> in high school, which I don't think I'm ready to pull out, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I think I'm ready to start writing though, which is the more, more important uh, part of this. So um, I hope that it inspires you as well, and I hope you enjoy. So let's get started. Welcome, we are here today with Janae and we are going to be talking about um, art and um, how we can make it inclusive and accessible. So, um, But first we're going to get started on our intro questions. So, um, hello, welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you. All right, so um, first, every time I have a guest join me, I always uh, ask these four intro questions to get to know you a little bit better. Um, So the first one is, what's your favorite quote?
1: I have two. (laughs) Um, So one is, poetry is not a code to be broken, but a way of seeing with the eyes shut. And that's by Linda Paston.
0: Ooh, I love that. And that really goes over exactly what we're talking about today. So that's
1: <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. The second one is by the psychoanalyst Carl Jung. And the quote I love by him is, the creation of something new isn't accomplished by the intellect, but by the play instinct Acting from Inner Necessity.
0: Mm, Beautiful. Okay. And the second one is, what is your favorite book?
1: Uh, My favorite novel is The Secret History by Donna Tartt.
0: Oh, you have it there. It came
1: out in 1992. and, And the narrative and the characterization, I just, love 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 I've read the novel maybe seven times
0: oh wow seven times wow <laughs> awesome um and what uh what inspires you or like what art inspires you or that you love to create on your own
1: um so I write books my first two books were collections of poems so I love poetry but I find inspiration is everywhere. Um, So I love nature, I love the visual arts, I love dance, I love architecture, you name it, I'm just open to beauty and um, the creative possibilities and virtually everything that I see and
0: experience. Oh, wow. (laughs) That, you just spoke to my heart right there. (laughs) I I love that. I totally, yeah, I'm all about inspiration is absolutely everywhere. And that's what I I teach in my classes. So that's great. Um, Okay. And then what is something that you're into right now?
1: Well, um, right now, meaning my whole life is pushback (laughs) writing. So I was very, very fortunate in that I got to take start taking lessons when I was a little girl, eight years old in a suburb outside of Seattle. And um, so it's just, it's still my favorite thing to do is be on horseback and be out in nature and just, you know, disappear among the trees.
0: Beautiful. Oh, that's so nice. I I very rarely get the chance to go horseback riding but there's a few that live on my street and I always get to peek at them. You have horsey neighbors. That's yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I live outside of town, and we Whatever. have we have uh, like a whole farm on one end, and and then just a one horse on and right right on my street. I'm sure there's others, but there's two that I can see from the road. So yeah, on my daily. Oh, daily lives. Lucky you. Nice. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. All right. So, um, tell me about your book and then i think that will be a good opening to what we're what we're talking about because that's kind of uh i don't i don't i'm it's hard to even say the word <laughs> so you tell me <laughs>
1: yes yeah, um- so, so um I had a book, it was my third book, it came out in June of 2020, and the title is The Ecfrastic Writer Creating Art-Influenced Poetry, Fiction, and Nonfiction. And so what it is, it's it's a guidebook that I designed with not necessarily writers, but with people in mind who I knew were going to look at art and who wanted a way to verbally engage with with the visual arts. Um, And so, you know, verbal is both, you know, written and out of the mouth. Um, And so whichever way you choose to engage with the visual arts, this is a great guide to show you sort of the art of deep looking at a piece of art. And then also it instructs you Um, you know, what is a watercolor? How, how is, how is a, certain type of print made? What's the difference between an oil and acrylic paint? Um, How do sculptors make their art on this 3D scale? What's the museum experience, et cetera? Um, And so it just gives you everything in terms of descriptive writing. That's what the term ekphrasis means. It comes from the Greek meaning to describe. So really, anytime that you use language descriptively, you are speaking um, ekphrastically. But But the term ekphrasis was adopted about 25 years ago to mean the subgenre of creative writing, specifically to indicate creative writing influenced by the visual arts. So, for example, the first time I did this, I went to the Guggenheim Museum in New York City, and I saw this painting by this German painter, and I was just, I was, so I was just awestruck and taken back, and so I opened up my notebook and wrote a poem to this, and so that was my first ekphrastic poem to this art piece. Does
0: that make sense? Yeah, that is. It's it's very very interesting because that it's you're making it accessible and engaging, and it's I I like it because it's not just I I talk about accessibility isn't you know it's not one sided it's not just for the people who are that, that need it, but it benefits everybody. Accessibility benefits everybody. So in your, in what you're saying is you're not just giving it um, life for people who are, you know, who can't see, but they also, you're also giving it more depth and more meaning for us as visual learners or visual people can who can see. So we're getting this audio uh, with the verbal, you're getting it audible. And then you're also getting it more, um, more in depth with the, with the text. So I really, really like, uh, like what you're saying here. It's very cool. I have never heard of what, of this, and I really like it. You know,
1: I, I love what you said, and it, it, I've never thought of ekphrastic writing on this level but in terms of accessibility so you have writers who like myself who go to museums and galleries and you know they find a the piece that they're absolutely stunned by and it's with the, it's in that space of like whoa what am i seeing i cannot make sense of this you know because it's not intellectual it's it yep. it comes from from the instinct just like jung said and so then what happens is after you write that piece and the piece gets published then not only are you you introducing your readership to, to your type of art making, but you're also introducing readers to art and artists who they might not have ever heard of or known. Which is which is sort of like peeling back the layers and I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that until your comment and I really appreciate that and that, and that ekphrastic writers are necessarily, you know, encouraging their listeners to pursue the art because, I mean I would you know, I would say, yes, listen to my poem, but also look at this piece you know, that I wrote to. Not necessarily because one needs the other. I mean, certainly the, the painting doesn't need my poem. And I'd like to say that the poem stands on its own, for example. But it's just more of like a curiosity because the avenue or the, the pathway that the painting took me in order for me to write my poem is vastly different than anyone else. Anyone else's pathway, right? And so it's always open to interpretation. Um, but I really appreciate you saying that because it's gotten me to think of accessibility on a new level.
0: Hmm, for sure. Well, you were telling me about um, that museum. Can you tell us about about the museum that the, that you went in and and you could make it textual? Um braille they had braille I think you told me yeah so
1: um in in writing the acrostic writer I did a lot of research so um my bibliography list is like 250 books and articles um and so I I I love my research um I started out as a scientist and so I have a a research background it's really important to me and I also just think it's kind of the height of hubris to think that you as one individual you know have this great person right I mean it's 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 a course of people that um, that were really required in order for me to, to write this book. And, and I, for that, I'm, I'm grateful. Um, and so in, in my journey of research, um, I discovered that there are a couple of hymns that have made advances in accessibility, specifically for the visually impaired. One I can think of is the um, and what
0: Oh, sorry. They did. You, just, you, just, you you froze for a second there. I didn't hear that last part there. Okay.
1: <laughs> so the Prado Museum in Madrid um, asked and in, invited artists um, to come in and do three D renderings of some of their fa- some of the most you know famous paintings. And so then the visually impaired can come in and have a tactile experience actually feeling the fabric right so here we are as sighted people and we're seeing a painting let's say of uh, of you know a court gesture and we have you know the king and the queen and we have you know some, someone delivering tea on a tray and so we're visualizing the, the textures But for the visually impaired, they actually can feel the metal of the serving tray and they can feel the satin of the queen's dress. Um, And so actually, as I'm as I'm thinking about it right here in this moment, I'm realizing that they're getting, you know, sort of. In in some sense, like a better sense of the painting because they get to touch the fabric. I mean, we can only look at the fabric and imagine what it would be like to touch the satin. And of course, we're seeing that the satin is a type of green and her collar is a type of purple, right? You know, we're seeing these things, but they get to touch. And so it really excited me to know that, you know, this is presumably the last community that has been um prevented from you know really being welcomed into this in spaces that are inherently for those of us who, who have vision um and so m- definitely more of that is being done which is just it's it's such a gift
0: mm. and then again it like benefits us too because it's like we can get this other experience from from it as well and then i'm also thinking of uh um Color blindness. This would help with color blindness as well. And like you would get, I would, I would love to hear their interpretation, their poems about the same art pieces with a different color palette in their mind, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's my goal for my life is to take tours through museums in order to verbally respond um and there's no there's no right or wrong answer which I love you know mm-hmm. it's just the spirit of being in in that space and seeing what the art gives to you and from that you share your your uniqueness um but but you know as I'm as I'm speaking Speaking about visiting museums and recognizing that there's that's problematic in terms of accessibility as well. And so, you know, one thing that the pandemic taught us is the importance of having accessibility to the Internet and to computers. Mm -hmm. And if you have those tools, then you get to visit virtually these museums and galleries Um, and like for, for example, um, if you've never been to St. Petersburg, you can visit the Hermitage in St. Saint, Saint Petersburg online. You can take a tour and you know, spend hours and hours and hours. And isn't that beautiful? For people who will never get to St. Petersburg. Mm. Um, and so I really celebrate that. And yes, it's true, there's no substitute for that in-person experience, but that's okay. Um, you know, before we had accessibility to you know, before everything was was most things were digitized, there was no hope for those individuals who lived in, you know, underprivileged communities and could couldn't make that pilgrimage. Um, and then I like to remind people, at least. Well, I've been to museums in countries in like 30 countries and all over the United States. And I want to remind people that 99% of the places that I know of, the admission fee is really a suggested donation and that you should feel free to donate just, you know, just a dollar instead of $25 or 50 cents or, you know, or nothing. And that's okay that they, that they really make it it, it, it's frustrating because typically you'll see, you know, in 75-point font, $25 admission fee, and then a 2.5, just <laughs> a donation. But I, I really want people to know that if, if you have no money and you have a ton of kids and you think it would be lovely to take them there, you take them there mm-hmm. and they will move to
0: that space. Yeah, I like that you said that. I think um, our main museum here in, in Fredericton, uh, or they... They have a, it's Thursdays, I believe. I I might be wrong, but I think it's Thursdays. They have like, that's when it's a suggested donation. I think the other days it's still like a $10 or $20 fee or whatever, but Thursday is the day where you can go and that's when it's like you can pay what you have there. So they're very, they're much more verbal about that, but maybe, maybe it's every day (laughs) and they didn't tell us. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but that's good to know. Yeah. Okay. So I want to, um, talk about our, uh, early art engagement. So that's, um, my art journey <laughs> is, is very much about, uh, you know, all, all ages. It's, it's, there's no age restriction on, on art. Um, but specifically I have one class of mine that is, uh, art and learning where I connect uh, literacy to art. Uh, and that's for preschoolers while they're ages two to six. So I'm starting that early. <laughs> and uh, I really am fascinated by, um, you know, that that we can can connect literacy to art uh, across the whole, all ages. So um, yeah, I want to talk about uh, art and early art engagement.
1: little bit more about about what you do with with literacy and art like give me a sense of what happens in the classroom at that age
0: yeah okay so um th- they're 2 to 6 years old um uh, they come in we read a book um so for example uh this sunday was the class and we read um a book called it was a doctor seuss book and it was called oh say can you say dinosaur and so we went through the book and it was, we learned about dinosaurs. So there, cause there was a bunch of facts in the book. <clears throat> so we talked about dinosaurs and then there was that engagement. They talked about dinosaurs and we were, you know, and then they saw the pictures in the book and, <clears throat> and then we created a dinosaur with our watercolors and our, and our Sharpies and stuff. So we were connecting the book to, to making art. So we're learning something from literacy and then connecting it through art.
1: Oh, that's lovely! Thank you for painting that picture. That is so <laughs> precious. Um, yeah, so I taught children's literature um, at University of Phoenix for a couple of years, a couple of years ago, um, and and that helped to inform this chapter in my book called Early Art Engagement. Um, so it's really curious. I learned so much from teaching or from t- teaching. children's literature course Mm -hmm. and that i had never realized how much went into this idea of image and text relationship and um so there's my favorite children's book picture book is um i think it's called shirley where did you go i can get back to you on that um but what's really interesting is is what the author did the the author is the author illustrator what he did was he had a, a, an image that went with the text on one side of the so the, so you have a recto-verso when you open the book you have the recto side and a verso side left side right side so on one side he had an image and text that went along with it on the other side he had an image that didn't go along with the text at all that was totally independent. And so it was like he had a parallel narrative. And what you realized was he was illustrating what was happening in reality. Um, So from like the parent's perspective and that was the text that was supporting that. And then the other side of the page was an illustration of the child of the, the, the girl's imagination. Hmm. right so sorry right. so on one side of the, the the book you had an image of her at the beach with her parents and you know it being kind of like boring and then the other side you have her as a pirate in a you know at, in a pirate ship and her like fighting off a shark or something right and then you turn the page um and so it's just this lovely. Moment of like, okay, you really have these choices, right? As illustrator and author, right? Are you are you pairing the two, or are you separating them, and what what many kinds of experiences are are had from that? Um, so yeah, so I I delved into early art experience it, because I wanted to remind. So basically, this book it it can be used for children, but children aren't going to read this. This would be- no. uh, <laughs> them. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking more of, of students in um, MFA programs, etc. Um, but I wanted the adult readers to understand where they came from, which is a world of images and a world of possibilities. Um, because I know that my adult students have a real tough time in play. And that's why I love that Carl Jung quote is because my adult learners need to remember that they can't create a poem from their intellect. Mm -hmm. They have to create a poem, for example, with the notion of playing with language and seeing where that play might take them. Mm -hmm. Kids know this. And if we're lucky as kids, we can hold on to that magic. But I think that that's, holding on to that magic is almost directly contingent on the adults in their lives. So how wonderful that these kids have you as one of their adults in their life who are making these connections and making these memories and having these experiences. And I'm, my hope is that every one of your students runs home and shares it with an adult who's also excited about that type of learning, you know because that's where that's where it builds.
0: Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm very much on, especially in that class, because they're young, so the parents have to stay. So I'm very much like, here's a piece of paper for you to join too. And then 90% of the time, unless there's like, you know, they need support, there's 90% of the time the parent is making art again, for the first time in who knows how long. So they're engaging as well. And I, I think it's, is I kind of sneak that in there. Like, I'm not like, hey, we're gonna make it. It's not a class for, you know, it's not, I'm not out there saying this is a class, a family class to paint, you know, mom and dad together. But I'm like, by the way, if you want to make something, so I kind of sneak that in there on them. And then they, they feel like it's a bonus. And, and then, you know, because they get to paint with their kids, and then their kids see their adult, painting with them. And I, it's a very beautiful experience. (laughs) So they're directly engaged. And that is absolutely my goal is to continue that creativity, uh, especially in that, those, those years, because that's when they start entering the school system. And that's when the school system starts taking, Oh, you know, it's, it's the school system is, is great and whatever, but it's, it does discourage creativity. So I'm here, hoping that that this engaging class-like space, safe place, encourages them to continue and hold on to that creativity and that that connection. Right. So.
1: Well, bravo to you for encouraging the the parents' involvement. I mean, that is absolutely genius because then. I mean, that's just, that's building experiences and building memories. And then the kid, you know, you can't, can't you imagine the kid like, Hey mom, remember we made that dinosaur last week? Like, let's like, let, can we draw a monkey today? You know? And because the kid's like, Oh yeah, we had that experience and we did that once. So, and that was fun. So let's do it again. You know, and like, he, he, I draw a better monkey than my mom. Yeah. You know? so that's <laughs> really fun. Um, that's yeah, that's genius. Bravo to you. Mm,
0: yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely really, uh, really fun. There's that class specifically, like they're all my classes, but I, I keep finding new little bonuses to that class that I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't even list out all the benefits to this class. And if I did, the parents are going to be like, whoa, that's, that's a very overwhelming class. I don't want to go. <laughs> uh-huh. but it's, do you know what I mean? Because I'll be like, here's a list of all the benefits you're getting. And they'd be like, whoa, that's, how do you fit that in a 45 minute class? But honestly, yeah. well, there's what so they- much.
1: One of the things that you can do is this. In marketing, they say, right? You you under promise and you over deliver. Yes,
0: yes. So you can <laughs>
1: Promise so you can promise on like you know a fourth of those, and then at the end of the class, say yeah. actually here are all of the benefits that you got.
0: Right? Oh yes, yes, yes. No, I I try to limit it because it's too overwhelming for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So I see you have a little uh, snippet about coloring books. Do you wanna?
1: I would love, I would love to read that. Um, So, yeah, so, and and again, I mean, kids, kids know this, but this is for adults to remember coloring books. Um, So this is an excerpt of the ecstatic writer and I'll just read two little paragraphs here. Coloring books, a pre-drawn shape in which we can freely introduce color First, our introduction of whatever color is a chaos of lines that appear as if we held a crayon in our fist and went back and forth in the general vicinity of the shape. As we age, the way we handle the crayon changes and our hitting the target area becomes more precise. Later, we are able to intellectualize the decision of which color for which section of the drawing and are mindful to stay within the lines. Before we are taught what is a wrong color for the sky and grass, for example, we pick and apply colors freely. I once overheard a parent indelicately directing the selection of colors to her two-year-old. No, purple is not the color for trees. Here, use this crayon. Color inside the lines carefully. It is fascinating to consider the moments in our past that could have tipped us toward or away from creative autonomy. Imagine a world in which there are no purple trees.
0: Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yes, this is, I'm all about creative limitations and that is the exactly where that pivotal moment of where that creative limitation hits. It's like, somebody in your life usually it's a a parent or or an adult a trusted adult because you don't necessarily care what other people say but usually it's a trusted person and then they say something like that no purple doesn't belong on trees and then bam their creativity is is snapped and that's so sad that that was a two-year-old because that means that they didn't get those if it stuck with them which I hope it didn't but it it's likely and, and then that's stuck with them oh, at such an early age. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Cause, and I'm seeing that more that it's happening early. Maybe that was the case always, but I'm seeing it more now that it's happening at such an early age hmm. that my young kids coming into my class already have those limitations built on them. I, I had, see. yeah. And I had, uh, not a, a similar student, as uh, she came into the class, so I think she was in grade three, four, like later elementary school. And she was drawing doodling at, at school in her art class. And she drew a little stick figure. And uh, it wasn't necessarily, you know, she wasn't there to make like grand art, like she was just doodling, which is totally appropriate. And the teacher told her that, you're better than that, you shouldn't be drawing uh, stick figures. And I I stopped her right there, because she was she wasn't even telling me she was telling the class, like, I wasn't allowed to draw my stick figure. And that stuck with her. So I was like, I can't let this continue. And I'm like, you draw those stick figures, (laughs) like, it doesn't matter, you can draw a, um, you know, a stick figure one day and an extremely realistic drawing the next day, or the opposite. It doesn't matter. It's your creative expression, right? You can draw the purple trees, <laughs> draw yeah. the stick figures. So, yeah.
1: And I, I think your your perspective and my perspective are are similar in that we're we are artists. We're not just teaching art, mm-hmm. which is totally different. So yeah. we understand the importance of making these creative. decisions, being you know, taking risks, being kooky, feeling free on the page. We under we understand that. We understand that there's a time and place for precision, like when you're baking a cake or how much oil to put in your car. We understand that, but we also understand the importance of art making and making messes and making mistakes. I have a little anecdote about you know what happened when what happened when that child grew up. So my mother is 71 she still lives in a suburb of Seattle when she was in kindergarten she was and I wrote a poem about this in my second book because it just broke my heart um called first art show 1954 so in kindergarten they were given um god I just I kind of just want to read the poem because it's so poignant you have Um, it I do we'll read go get it (laughs) okay yeah yeah yeah
0: no that's good I want to hear it
1: I just um, love my mom and I, and I just hate what, what happened to her. So let me try to find it. <laughs>
0: That's okay. Um, I'm well, while, while you look, I'll just say too, cause you have three books. So I'm just going to make sure that, um, all the books are linked into my show notes so that, uh, we can, uh, you guys can find them and, uh, and hopefully get some because this is really, really interesting.
1: Okay, so I'll read this poem that I wrote. It's, it's actually a nonfiction poem. Most of my poetry is fiction. Um, first art show for my mother. Rectangular and tacked to the wall, the slab of construction paper painted black teachers gossip her parents cock their heads the five-year-old gets sent to the psychiatrist perhaps it was all a mistake maybe she had illustrated her family but there were blunders each child is granted one sheet of paper the teacher had warned so the girl knowing True artists require enough paper to make mistakes and move on, mixed all the colors together for black and smudged out the weeping willow, the pool, the poodle. But what she didn't know then was how much she already knew. Today, her entire world, a faulty canvas she needs to correct the misspelling on the menu, the crooked map, a fallen collar. She's trying to fix all the slips because blackening them out, she learned, isn't right. Bless that girl, so fed up with herself and the show that she uses black and then sets her work next to a rainbow, a boy and his horse the Pacific. Now I look at my mother and wonder what's under that forbidden color. Could I be the one to erase black, to uncover the pastel plain on which her heart beats like a spring garden?
0: Oh, wow. (laughs) I don't I don't get to enjoy poetry very often um so thank you for that that was that was beautiful and also deeply sad can you tell me a little bit about it yeah so it literally happened
1: she got one sheet of paper she's like I don't know why I painted it black so I was imagining that maybe she had made an error you know and she couldn't like you know make an error right um and so she was like yeah I just I liked black but it was you know then it became a you know big issue um and because of the scrutiny on this artist, young artist choice, she lived the rest of her life really, I think, walking on eggshells. So yes, my mother did end up pursuing her love of painting. Um, she got an associate's degree in, you know, illustration or something. Um, still in my childhood home, if you'd visit there, you'd see all sorts of paintings on the wall, but here's the thing, she is very critical of herself and she doesn't, still to this day, does not want to put a brush brushstroke on a new canvas unless it's the perfect brushstroke. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but wonder if it wasn't that moment that said, hey, you know, you can't, you know, you have to get it right the first time, you can't make a mistake that has, and she, and she says, she says, I'm not actually not an artist, you know, I'm just an illustrator. So she, you know, she's, she can take a tiny picture and make a huge painting out of it. And I say, mom, that is creative. Not everyone can do that. That's amazing. And so she can't even see herself through those mistakes that, that started being um, an issue, you know, in quote, an issue back when she was five years old. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: that's, uh, like this, <laughs> this is it's exactly what I teach in my, in my Unleash Your Art, because it's like, this is, it, w- we identify where that pivotal moment happened. And, and then we identify, is it stopping us altogether or is it hindering us? So it sounds like it's hindering her because that's what happened. That's what happened with me. There was a lot of different things, uh, nothing quite as extreme as that, but it was, you know, I can't copy. I can't copy art. Um, and by copy, I don't mean photocopy. I mean, we, we are not photocopiers. We cannot copy our, other people's art exactly. We are going to make it our own no matter what. So I can't copy. And that one was a big one for me. Um, so I would do things. I would, I would look on the computer and, and look at a bunch of different pictures of whales, for example. And then I would paint my whale. But if I didn't look at the pictures of the whale and just went ahead and, and painted it, then I wouldn't be as happy with the result. And so I would give myself a lot of shame and guilt and <clears throat> I'm not creative. I'm not um, a real artist or whatever, whatever I was telling myself, definitely the creative one. I, I would said a lot um, because I was copying and I don't, you know, it's where did that come from? Why is it there? Is it stopping me or is it hindering me? And so that was hindering me because I was shaming myself right. for for be, for using my creativity, right? So that's the same same kind of thing. And then we kind of work through that and heal that. Now I'm I realize like we switch that narrative. Where am I? Uh, you know, when I go to to copy, air quotes, <laughs> copy mm-hmm. things, I. Is it? Um, I have to switch that narrative. I'm not copying, or I'm copying because I'm not creative. No, I'm copying because I'm learning about whales. I'm if I know more about my subject, then I I can make a better product that I will appreciate more, right? So I'm switching that narrative, and and it takes time to heal that. Yeah,
1: you're using a visual reference. Yeah. And, and people in your life who are artists, you know, understand the importance of using a visual reference, Yeah. period, you know, for if, if you're a writer, you're, you're an architect, you're a visual art, it doesn't, doesn't matter. You need visual references, um, you know, so that's, I mean, thank you for sharing that. I mean, it sounds like that helped to spur you into teaching in this particular mode. Is that safe to say?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and I think actually teaching, because I was teaching other people's classes first, and then I made it, I, I made my own classes. And that's kind of where I found out where my limitations were. And then when I brought it into my own classes, that's definitely a big influence of that healing process of, you know, where encouraging others if they have those and identifying those where we can work through them. You know, yes, we're all artists. We just paint or we don't paint or we right? Um, and, and illustration is art and, and even knitting is art. It's just, and, and you're copying a, um, a pattern, but that's okay. You're still making it your own, right? There's, there's so many, Limitations that we hold on to, unfortunately, that uh, that we just don't need. But uh, yeah, we kind of segwayed it segwayed
1: <laughs> into the
0: creative limitations here. I like it.
1: <laughs> well, you and I are very similar in that. It's, it's, I mean, this is how I view the word "world." It sounds like you do too, and that is, I, I, I firmly believe any single person can be creative Mm -hmm. so when I meet that person who says oh I can't you know I'm not creative I'm not imaginative I say challenge on (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it also sounds like another way in which we're similar it sounds like correct me if I'm wrong but it feels as though you you want to be that teacher that or that adult that you didn't have like you are teaching the classrooms of young Rebecca's is that
0: is that I would say so. I did have uh, very creative parents, but, uh, you know, I, I would say they have their own limitations. And uh, my mom listens to this podcast. So hi, mom. But, <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, it's, maybe that's something that they need to work on. But I, I think it came from, you know, various places. It wasn't just because, yes, my parents are very creative. My dad's a computer animator, so that's literally his income. And, uh, and then my mom uh, didn't, you know, pursue it as a career or anything, but she definitely would whip out her paints every once in a while and create this beautiful art piece. And, you know, but she would never say that she, she's an artist. She, her art for a long time was photography so, um, and now writing. Actually, she, she writes a lot as well. So it's not like I was in a creed, lacking of a creative space, but I, I kind of made up those own things on my own. Like a big one was, um, uh, the, I was sitting in my class at um, in grade seven and beside a boy who would always draw very intricate, realistic pencil drawings. And those I find pencil realistic and pencil drawings are, are held very high on our creative, uh, like society's creative uh, hierarchy, right? We, we, we associate if you can draw realistically, you're an artist, right? right? So I was sitting beside him and the teacher came over and complimented his art this wasn't even art class I don't think but she complimented his art. I don't even know if I had art in front of me. Let's to be <laughs> perfectly honest but I took her compliment to him and mm-hmm. knowing that I can't do what he does, got it. as well I'm not good enough. I got can't it. do that like him. So mm-hmm. it was not it was just it, it it can be very subtle like that where it's not sure. even happening to you, right? Sure it can be an outside view of what's happening to other people. And we hear other people's limitations passed down. You know, maybe my mom had a, a limitation on, cause she talked about drawing too realistically. If we draw too realistic, then it looks like a photograph. And then it's almost discarded because it's, everybody assumes it's a photograph and not actual art. Um, so there's maybe there was a limitation there and I, I held held to that. And then, um, so, so I, I can't think of any more right now, but that's kind of right. They, you're going to subconsciously, if you haven't done that work, you're going to pass on your own creative limitations to others without even realizing like that teacher or the person who the, with the two-year-old in your example.
1: Well, that it's interesting. I'm having all sorts of revelations during this.
0: <laughs> I'm so happy. Um,
1: but, it, but you know, it reminds me of how you know again in terms of accessibility, like how important it is for us, you know, as youngsters and and as adults to hear other people about other people's experiences, you know, because then we can celebrate in those experiences. So for example, if you had overheard someone's abstract art being um, complimented, you know, then, you know, that would have done something else to you. Right. um, Coupled with hearing a compliment about the the realism art, you know, Um, and so when we hear that other people succeed in a way that we wonder if we can succeed in, you know, then hopefully that's inspirational to us, right? The importance of sharing our stories and sharing our journeys and sharing our struggles and our failures. I think all of that is really important in terms of, you know, accessibility and seeing, okay, this, this person took this path and do I want to take that path? Oh, you know, they found success. So maybe I can find success.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And, and on the accessibility line, like when we have that creative freedom, when we aren't limiting ourselves in our creativity, wherever that creativity might show up, if we aren't limiting ourselves there, then we're able to be more adaptable, which equates to accessibility, right? If mm-hmm. We can, you know, y- you have this amazing thing, your, your goal wasn't to be accessible, you just found this medium, if I'm maybe I'm wrong, is that right? You're, like your goal wasn't to be accessible, it was to be to, to you found a beauty of, of writing about art and making it a literary, literary experience. And now you've created something accessible for, for more people. You've made art accessible to the visually impaired. And the, the reason why I asked you, if you were
1: teaching to a bunch of little Rebecca's, yeah yeah oh it's yeah. <laughs> exactly, that's exactly, I'm teaching to a bunch of, of Janae's who said, you know, because I started out my career in the sciences. Mm-hmm. And so I absolutely convinced just, just of my own volition, like you, you have to choose a lane. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I chose at a very early age, I chose, chose the sciences. And I went into a degree in pre-med and I applied to medical school and I did all of those things to, you know, create this life for myself as a physician. And, and I'm not a physician, I didn't get into medical school. And so I had to pivot. And so I had to find a way to access my well, I didn't have to but I was presented with a way of like okay do you want to pursue the sciences in another angle not be a physician maybe be a technologist in a laboratory which i did for a while in organ transplantation or do you want to maybe um, try to be a creative writer well how can you be creative and once i realized that i could look at art Mm -hmm. as a way to give me some visual reference to start describing on the page then that was the start of me opening up my my imagination Mm -hmm. so yeah so absolutely I wrote the acrostic writer because I feel that engaging with the visual arts here's my tagline (laughs) engaging with the visual arts can be a portal to your own creativity and I believe that you can as a teacher you can Teach any subject, starting with the visual arts. You want to teach STEM? I can introduce to you the visual arts pieces that can be the starting point to talk about, you know, technology, science, engineering, mathematics. Um, so, yeah,
0: exactly. That's <laughs> um, yes, that's a hundred percent. As an and yes, I'll go quick back to. I would now. Uh, yes, I am teaching little Rebecca's <laughs> um, and, and I have older adults as well. So that's like the imaginative older Rebecca, you know, where, what I've gotten to, if I, if I didn't go this way. Um, so yes, I would, I would agree. And then you can learn anything through, through art. And, and then I love the added literacy in there, but mm-hmm. that's just a tool. Okay. That's just a tool for the art because art is the most accessible thing because there's like people like to put rules on art, but there are no rules on art. the most the best art has been made from breaking those rules in the first place right So um, it's uh, you can learn anything through art and, and that's what I do. that's why I have my my art literacy class is to learn not just, about literacy, not just about the connection between art and literacy, but also to learn something through art. Like they're learning about science. They're learning about dinosaurs and history and, and um, social emotional learning. And, and then I can also, uh, we have a, a mental health class as well. And so we're connecting mental health tools and, and, and giving kids realistic tools they can use in their daily life through literacy, sometimes not always, and through through art, because we're giving them a visual connection. Like for example, one of my classes, we do a um, the circle of control, and this is actually a pretty common art project, but I've adapted it to be more specific. So what I do is, generally, the circle of control, you put the circle, and then inside the circle, you write things that um, that you can that are in your control i can control my body i can control my choices you know i can't control the weather i can't control what other people do i can't control how other people react right so that's basic on what the control circle of control is so what how i connected that to art was very uh um what's what's the word i'm looking for <laughs> Yes. So it's inside the circle. Um, We use a fine pointed item. So it could be a Sharpie or a colored pencil or a pencil, something that you have lots of control over. Mm -hmm. And, and it's very detailed and fine. So Mm -hmm. that's, then you can use it with words. You can incorporate words if you have that ability, because we have young, young children as well in this class all the way up to high school, in different groups. But um, so you know, the young ones might not have the words yet, whereas the high schoolers would have the words so they can incorporate words or just pictures. And then um, but that's inside, that's your control. And then on the outside, we use charcoal, or we use chalk pastels, or we use something messy. And, And yes, we have a little bit of control over it, because you know, it's our art. So there is a little bit, but no, we don't have control over this. So it's very directly related to what we're, what we're doing. So we're learning not just about what, you know, how an acorn can grow. We're learning, we're not just learning about dinosaurs. We're learning beyond, you know, our, our, how to make these very real connections.
1: That's amazing. I love that using, you're, you're not just making art but you're learning about art making right yes yeah. learning about the different tools and techniques
0: beautiful Oops, sorry my cat just knocked a bunch of stuff off the table <laughs> I told you this will probably happen <laughs> okay um your cat hasn't made an appearance yet though <laughs> oh, <sure. laughs> oh they're coming awesome okay um so is there anything else that uh, you wanted to to kind of end off with? Well, I,
1: I just congratulate you on what uh, you're, <laughs> you're accomplishing. I mean, it's really lovely. Um, and I've, yeah, I don't think that this would have been this, I mean, like all of the things that you are able to incorporate in one classroom just feels very 21st century to me. You know, where we're, we're recognizing that um, it's about, you know, taking multiple disciplines and teaching, teaching the interdisciplinary experience um, in one, one setting where we're recognizing that that has become really important as opposed to like, okay, pick a lane, you're a scientist, mm-hmm. you're an artist, you're an outcast, you're the social butterfly, you know, pick a lane. Um, and I, I just really applaud you for what you're doing.
0: So, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I thank you. <laughs> well, thank you uh, for for joining me. I, I really love what you're doing and how you're incorporating literacy into art and making it a literary experience. It's very beautiful. I really um, appreciate that. As a, uh, I used to write poems all the time, but uh, that's not something that I practice anymore. But uh, I I do love uh, love poetry. And, uh, so I appreciate that quite a bit. Um, and, uh, okay. So, uh, and again, we will have all of your books in the show notes so people can find you and find you online on Instagram and everything as well. So, uh, check out the, uh, the show notes there. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you. This is such a pleasure. Such a joy. <laughs> All right,
0: bye. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you loved this episode, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And be sure to follow me on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on everything at Rebecca Jane Art. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time. Happy creating.